0: Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic.
1: Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, nah, well, not as always. You see, here's the thing about Jamar. Here's the thing about the man, the myth, the legend. Here's the thing about Mr. Blue Check Verified. Apparently, when you're releasing a book, you have to do promotion for the book. So he's often, you know, who knows where shooting videos. You guys see this? He's shooting videos. He didn't didn't send me those pictures. He didn't send me those pictures, y'all. He didn't send me those little videos. He wasn't sending me those updates. He just gave those to the world. See, I thought we were cool. Here I am on the mic recording. And what is Jamar doing? Jamar's off recording. But it's okay, y'all. I guess he's got a book coming out. As y'all know, The Color of Compromise coming out at the top of the year, and I've had the ability to read portions of it. I haven't got through all of it. It is so good. Y'all, I'm telling you, you have to go and pre-order it. Go to thecolorofcompromise.com for more information on that. And so standing in for him today is none other than Allie Henney, who we've had on the podcast before. And before I kick it over to Allie, just to, to introduce her and allow her to introduce herself for those who have not had the chance to meet her. I just want to say that we really believe here at The Witness in being a Black Christian collective, that a collective is not just two voices. It's not just Jamar and I. It's not just Jamar, myself, and and Aaron. It's not just the team that we have currently, but it's also the people who are listening to the podcast, interacting with what we do, um, but feel a stirring to be heard, feel a stirring to have a greater platform. And so we hope to introduce over the next few months and over the rest of the year, more people as a part of the collective, as a part of the group um, that is pushing these conversations forward and is showing a perspective of Black Christianity. So as you guys know, Ali is um, a wonderful voice, a voice that we want to amplify, we want to build up, a voice that we want to give platform to, and uh, she's an admin in the, in the PTM Facebook group and also a student at Fuller Theological Seminary. And she's also a pastor in residence. I'll let you go ahead and Ali, I, I, I want to steal your thunder here. Tell, tell everybody what you're doing, both on, on PTM and then also um, in your education as well.
0: Yeah, so I mean, you, you said it all, basically. So I guess that on the internet, I am the admin, one of the admins rather, um, for the past of my Facebook group. And then I have my own Facebook writers page. Um, so it's a public page. I have a personal account, of course, but I have my own public page where i post things about race and some different stuff every day and so you can check that out if you're ever on facebook i guess and then i'm on twitter and stuff too but then outside of the internet i am a wife and a mother of two i have a four-year-old and a one-year-old um yeah i guess she's one she's she's closer to two than she is to one but anyway And then I am pursuing my Master of Divinity at Fuller Theological Seminary. And so I've just started my second year Officially in my second year. Yay! <laughs> and I'm also that's serious.
1: Once you yeah, get past that one, once you get into another year, that's serious.
0: Yeah, it's it's so it's getting serious now. So then uh Tyler also mentioned that um I'm a pastor in residence. So part of my seminary education is that I have to do what they call an apprenticeship. And you can do it with any type of, of Christian organization, nonprofit, or whatever. But since I'm really interested in in pastoring. Um, it actually, I shouldn't even say that that I found this church. This church actually found me um, through a mutual friend and they invited me to come and do my apprenticeship with them. So I'm doing that now. And so that's great. We launched uh, two weeks ago. It's a church plant. And so we launched two weeks ago. So that's been really exciting in the season kind of leading up to that. And so then that's pretty much my life right now is you know, doing racism
1: on, on social media. This and is doing crazy. doing racism
0: on social media. So, that yes, yeah, so that's pretty much my life right now. a
1: crazy <laughs> topping right there. That is the cherry on top. And, that yeah, is dealing... And and you know, speaking of that, I did want to mention that you are a crazy follow on Twitter. You know, I talk about Twitter at Burns23, but y'all need to follow Allie on Twitter. She recently did, and her handle is at thearmchaircom as well, at thearmchaircom. You can also find her by looking up her name. But she recently did this crazy tweet thread, and I want you to explain it. It was called the White Fragility Self-Test. Now, this has got thousands of retweets, thousands of likes. Explain to us what was the motivation for the White Fragility Self-Test.
0: Well, you know, I... Have a face like I, said, I mentioned earlier. I had a Facebook page. Ha- have a Facebook page, and that's actually where that started. And I thought, you know, after after a while, it had been going, and, and right now it's my most shared and most reacted post on my Facebook page. So I was like, yo, let me let me share this with the Twitter. Let me get let me get this on let me get this on the Twitter because you know I like Twitter is is a little bit of a different platform because you can't do a whole lot of I don't like to thread people to death on Twitter, but then have like you know like like people be having. <laughs> Thank like, you for that, by the these, way. I
1: appreciate that. <laughs> people be I'm having like me, these like it
0: out people be maxing out twitter like 25 uh, tweet threads and i'm just like yeah y'all i ain't got time to read this novel Listen, just 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 say if you can't say blog. it in 280 right write a blog if you can't say it in 280 characters but anyway i took this i took this post over over to twitter and basically like I don't even. I can't even really talk about how it sort of came to me. I don't even really know how it came to me. Just one night, I was I was laying in bed, getting ready to go to sleep, and I was just like, I was thinking about white fragility as I was thinking about my thinking about uh, creating my post for for the next day, um, for my page, and I was just like, what if I did a white fragility self test? Hmm. I'm like, what what could what could come out of that? And so. Um, I mean for those of y'all who've been in these streets a little bit, you know what could come out of it. So I so I came up with with sixteen questions. I won't go through all of them. But the last question is, do I feel the need to defend myself on any of the above points in the comment section?
1: Yep. Yep.
0: And so and, and mm-hmm. then, you know, I broke down what white fragility was and sort of what some of the, the effects of white fragility and stuff are. So then, I mean, as per usual, as per usual for the Internet, you have a really good response. And people are like, oh, my goodness. Yes, I can see where I need to work on myself. I can see and then you And then, of course, I mean, you get the people that the fragility. I mean, it, it, I think it's like four comments in people responding <laughs> at these, it's like, <laughs> like four comments and, and people were already getting fragile. And hmm. so then on my Facebook page, um, I think that, that is that has brought in the racists. I, I can't really tell you though, because I've stopped paying like I I get the notifications for it, but I, I'm not even looking at that thread anymore. So I'm sorry if you're in there asking me questions or whatever, because I'm not even I'm not even paying attention to it. But yeah, it just I, I really felt like, you know, cause my lane is like I'm I'm sort of in, in the middle ground between bridge building and anti racism work. Hmm. And yeah. so um And maybe I think as of late, I've maybe been skewing a little bit more um, anti-racism because bridge building can be tiring sometimes, Um, you know, like being that person that is that you're that you're constantly reaching out, constantly trying to help people Mm -hmm. understand, um, you know, and, and please don't take that wrong. It just can be tiring whenever people keep doing the same things that are hurtful and that are wrong right, and right. they keep and they keep trying to justify it, um, which is where fragility comes in. And and so I've I've had some some pretty gnarly experiences here in the in the last several months that I won't say have pushed me to to not be a bridge builder, to not be a person that that, you know, extends grace and shows love and, and is a person of peace um, you know, toward toward my white brothers and sisters. But what I realize is that as anti racism work is about pulling things up by the roots it's about pulling it up by, by the root where, where bridge builders are more, you're you're not so much, you're not so much pulling it up by the root as you are trying to bring people into the light and sort of hope that, that by bringing them into the light, that the darkness that's in them, um it'll drive out some of the darkness that's in them. But with anti-racism, it's like, okay, you're pointing to the thing and saying, this is, this is a thing. This is why it's a thing. Right. Let's stop, let's stop doing this thing. And so, and so, it doesn't, it doesn't necessitate as much um, of the of the hands on trying to mm. trying to walk people through that. And so, since a lot of my work in the past the mic group, particularly, and we'll get to you know talking about past the mic one hundred and one um, here in a minute, but a lot of my work in that is the bridge building length. I just realized, you know, I like I, I need a space. I need to be able to just kind of call some things and say some things plainly as they as mm. they are, and it's bridge building still. Right. But it's calling it more plainly as it is than what you're able to do relationally. Cause sometimes relate and whenever right. you're in relationship with people, you get to know people and it's not that you don't want to hurt their feelings, but it just it's a little bit more of a process in a relational thing. Whereas if you're somebody that's standing on the outside, you can say, Okay, hey, this is this is a thing, don't do that. Um where yeah, you know, I, you know
1: I, I really appreciate that distillation. I really appreciate the idea between bridge building and anti racism because I think Jamar and I Feel like we're in that place as well of uh, desiring reconciliation and desiring, you know, bridge building and kind of some of that, you know, as pastor, as a pastor myself, I recognize that everyone has a capacity to change, that there's grace for all these sins and um, all these mistakes and even the systemic ones, that there's grace available, um, that Christ purchased that. But at the same time, yes. I, I do believe that. There is a time for the prophetic edge, the prophetic voice, um, what I've called before a holy defiance. And so I just want to say briefly that I really appreciate that distillation. I really appreciate you talking about kind of being in between those two poles, because I think that's that's also healthy as well. There's like a, you know, we talk about Christ as prophet, priest, king, and the idea of, of the prophetic edge is important. But then also the priestly edge as well, which is bringing people along and showing them grace and meeting them where they are but not allowing them just to stay where they are um, yes. and especially not allowing them just to harm people in their current state.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's so that's so true. I like how you put that with the uh, talking about the prophetic edge and everything, because that's really what I feel like that that I'm doing, you know, kind of in in my in, in some of my other social media lanes is carrying that that prophetic message a little bit and hopefully helping people um to, to come to grips with, with who they are so that they can change. Cause that's, that's the the heart yeah. behind it ultimately is that it's not, I think a lot of people get confused. They get this work twisted in thinking that we just like sit here and we just, and we just relish and revel unpacking what, what racism is and talking about all these, all these hard things all the time and that, you know, people don't see there's, there's an unseen cost to that. I mean, there's people mm-hmm. that um, there's people that you don't know, who are mean and nasty to you, at least maybe I've had this. I've had people that i that I know um that have that have come for me. Um, right. you know, I've watched I've watched on social media, you know, people people that I that I know and people who I thought had some sense of who I was as a person um come at me. Um I've had people come at me um personally. And so it can it, it there it comes with the it comes with the toll, it comes with the price. But the but the idea and I like what you said about about it being a, a priestly ministry too is that there is at the end of the day there's that 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 prophetic edge. But my heart really is to is to pastor people and is to shepherd people and is to mm. because I believe that people can change and yes. I believe that people can can repent and people can do better. So I have it just completely written. I know there's a lot of folks that, that we're, we're tired and we're just like, y'all ain't never going to get it. So I'm just going to tell.
1: I'm just, <laughs> just, just going
0: to tell <laughs> nah, it. But it feels like that sometimes.
1: It, <laughs> it be like that. It be yes. like that sometimes. People don't understand. Show like, do. And and you know, that's kind of the the root and history of a lot of the PTM Facebook group. And so I, I wanted to bring Ali on to have this conversation about kind of what it means to have healthy conversations on social media, what it means to specifically, which is one of the goals of the PTM Facebook group, and that's decenter whiteness. And before I get into that, before we can we can talk about that, I have to give a little bit of history on how the PTM Facebook group came to be in the first place. And It started around March of 2016, and I remember there was this internal conversation on the witness team, then the Rand team, about whether or not we would have a page or a group. And I think by some accident, by some funny, weird circumstance, we started a group. And the goal wasn't for that group to be massive; it was just an idea that we would use this as kind of a um, kind of an incentive for people if they wanted to be a Patreon subscriber or something. Um, in the future that we were planning, that then they could be a part of this private group that would give maybe more access. They would be able to talk about certain things. They'd be able to ask direct questions about certain podcast episodes or topics. And there was something that happened. I won't get into all the details, but there was kind of a situation that happened um, that was very public in kind of our corner, which at the time was Reformed Evangelicalism in that corner. And it led people in a very prominent reformed Facebook group um, to kind of ban conversation about something race related because the the person in question, the suspect, so to speak, um, was a member of that group. And so they said, well, we're not going to talk about this anymore because he's our brother. And so immediately we were like, well, you know, OK, it's been nice, but we out. Um, I'm not going to stay in a group where someone is actually protected Um, and insulated from being called out on sin. So left, and then for some odd reason, a bunch of people started following us over to the PTM group. And we didn't really talk about that situation as much, but we started just having more conversations than what we thought. And it was an open group. It was an open posting group, which was crazy. Um, We couldn't keep track of all, we had no moderators or admins. It was just me and Jamar and Bo, I think, and you know, we were talking back and forth, and it was a, a bunch of different groups of people in there, and and so when it got to about five hundred, we were looking around like, "What is happening here?" Before we knew it, it, it had hit a thousand, and immediately following the twenty sixteen presidential election, that was another thing. Then we started talking about it in the podcast, and it led to these really interesting dynamics because you have different people of different ethnicities, all well, most actually, most believers. From kind of conservative denominations coming in, and then you have more liberal people coming in. And I hate using those monikers, but the reality is there is a conservative, there is a liberal, even theologically. And so that mentality, those mentalities clash like all at once. And so it led to some very interesting things. Now, Ali, you came in kind of in the middle of the clash. We had established a couple of rules. We had said, okay, now this is what you're gonna be able to do. You can only post. Once a day because of the flood of posts. Um, we're going to have moderators now. You know, we were talking about these things and then you just kind of showed up. And I remember us having some conversations even before we knew each other very well about the effect of the PTM group on your life and your journey. Can you talk a little bit about what that did for you and how important it was?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Pass the mic has been an awesome thing for me. I actually tried to join the group, I want to say probably in September or October of twenty sixteen. Um, but Tyler took forever in adding me to the group. Listen And so, listen, and so I didn't get in until like listen. November.
1: <laughs> let me tell y'all, let me tell y'all something, because there were so many people, this is this is what would happen. We would have we would have three or four massive controversies every single week. We have three or four massive counts, and I'm like, look, I cannot keep track of everybody's posts, so I cannot keep track of twenty posts a day, and and it was it was free fire, so anybody could. There were no uh, post approvals; we hadn't done that yet, instituted that. we were basically building this as as we were flying, and we had no sort of connection to other groups except for that very prominent, and you know what I believe was a very unhealthy reformed uh, Facebook group. And so we were sitting back like, how do we do this? How do we keep track of 20 or 30 posts? And so I'm like, man, we're going to stop. We're not going to let anyone in. So I would go in waves. And so I would space out three weeks, then let 40 people in. Space out another two weeks, let 70 people in. And so Ali was clearly in that crop of people that I was discriminating (laughs) against. That was like, look, I don't know who you are. I don't know if this is for you. I don't know if you're going to come in and troll Nah, but I had no idea that, you know, Ali was waiting to get in, but it was one of those things where we were like, yo, we're going to stop it. We're not letting anyone else in for a while. And when we let you in, what did you find once you got in the group?
0: Oh man, you know, I I I loved it. Um it felt like a safe space, especially cuz I got let in, I want to say almost immediately after the election. I'm pretty sure that that oh, it was my like goodness, yo, it, we put you in the like, fire. Wow. So it so it happened at absolutely the best the best times. Like I said, I think I had I had um tried to join the group I think in like September, or October, something like that, and so I'm neither reformed. I guess I was about to say I'm neither reformed or African American, but I guess I'm African American. Um, I don't know why. I was because I was thinking about Rand. I was thinking about about Rand. So I, I, had, I, had, I st-
1: that would have yeah. been rules for me. That would have been a huge bomb drop on PTM. Like, what is happening here? Yes. Right. No, yeah. so I, I, had, I identify. I identify.
0: Yeah. So I had. Uh, so I've been following. I think I've been following you and Jamar on Facebook or on uh, Twitter, and then kind of came to know Rand and was following the Rand. Page on Facebook. And so then, past the mic popped up in my, in my suggested groups. So I tried to join. So those, as soon as I came in, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is where my people are. Like, there's like, I'm, you know, I'm seeing all sorts of a group that's centered around in the, in the description talking about Black people. Leading the discourse on on racial reconciliation and all that, I was like, "Wow, this is this is this is where I need to be." And just seeing some of the conversations and stuff that that were that were popping up, and some of the things that were being discussed, and the way in which they and they were being discussed, um, that was something that was that I had not seen that really in that way anywhere, um, let alone online. To be able to have discourse about race that was honest and where black people could be honest and not try to protect white people's feelings and where if white people got in their feelings, where they got told like, no, this is, this isn't okay. Don't, don't do this. Um, I hadn't been in that type of space before. And so that was great. And so, I mean, you know, I've made so many um, like real lasting friendships off of that. I won't, I won't name drop my friend because she'll get really upset at me <laughs> for saying this, but uh, because because she's sort of a, a behind the scenes person, but she's one of she's the admin for the past the mic 101 group. So if you're in past the mic 101, then you know who I'm talking about. Um, the other admin besides Noelle. Um, but we we live in the same city, and she actually stalked me on past on the Past the Mic group. I had mentioned something and she had looked Looked and and saw that we were from the same city. And so she was like, I would really like to do, um, read a book with you. And so we read Divided by Faith together. And so we've been friends, like it's been almost two years, but we've been friends ever since, talk every, talk and text every day. And that was, that was from Pass the Mic. I mean, that was, that was something that, that uh, came from Pass the Mic. And then I have um, some other friends, um, some conversation starters on Pass the Mic uh, Dd and Christina, you don't have to keep the conversation part, of, the conversation starters part in there, but they they wanted me to name drop, um, so so, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, no, they, they, they wanted they wanted me to name drop. So, so I've been here, i here dropping names, but anyway, um, so yeah, but I've made I've made like so many friends. My friends list, I went from having like I think a thousand friends because I had lost a bunch of friends because of Ferguson and all that. And now I feel like, I I think I have like 1800 friends and stuff on Facebook, just people, just I've I've made so many new friends and so many Mm. like really good, deep, like lasting friendships that, you know, it was like, I hope that the group never goes away. I hope the past, the mic goes away, but I have, I have friends that I feel like that if any of those things were to go away, we would still, we would still be there. We would still be talking to one another. So it's been a great thing in my life for sure.
1: And, and I think what's so fascinating about it is it's been a, a very interesting test case for how to, in our words, decenter whiteness. Now, the group originally was not intended for that. There was no desire for that. That's not what we were talking about. I mean, it was just basically Black reforms, people getting together. And I think for me, coming from a more charismatic background, coming from you know, growing up, I was not reformed, my church was not reformed, it is not reformed in that in that theological context. And so there was this sense in which I was still using foreign language. There was this sense where I was looking for people who identified. And when people like yourself started coming, it started reminding me of my roots, <laughs> reminding me of where I came from theologically, and reminding me of, you know, some of the intersections, even in some of the groups. Uh, threads that we've had in the group talking about Pentecostalism and talking about um, the gifts of the Spirit and talking about some of these things that maybe in reform circles weren't necessarily as mentioned as frequently. And these would just lead to theological debates instead of appreciation. And so, slowly but surely, especially after the election and even before that, with a number of different scenarios, we started talking about what does it look like to decenter whiteness? What does it look like to not have conversations that are colonized, that are forced to kind of put people in corners to make them, even as believers, we do this with one another, making people adhere to our standards of what a good conversation is.
2: This episode is brought to you in part by Baker Publishing Group. Most of us don't want to spend our lives being time wasters, space takers, binge watchers, or game players. We want to be difference makers, but maybe we make changing the world a little more complex than it really is. Making a difference isn't measured by a viral post or a name on a building. It isn't determined by a following or a fan base. Want to make a difference? Focus on just one person at a time. That's the secret of the way of Jesus. In his newest book, One at a Time, Kyle Eidelman invites us to better understand the surprising habits of Jesus and the power of small things done with great love. He challenges true disciples to fully commit to the unexpected Jesus way of changing the world by loving people one at a time. Baker Bookhouse is pleased to partner with Christianity Today to offer a special discount on your copy of One at a Time. Visit bakerbookhouse.com by February 28, 2022 and use promo code 12022. That's O-N-E 2022 to receive 40% off with free shipping.
1: So can you talk a little bit about decentering whiteness and how that's important because I think there's a perception about what we mean when we say decenter whiteness and and how have we done that in the PTM group or how are we trying to do that <laughs> failing sometimes but how are we trying to do that in the PTM group
0: Well you know I think that you that you said it all whenever you said about having about not having conversations about having conversations that aren't Uh, colonized. And so the idea is in Decentering Whiteness is that whiteness is at the center of everything. It's at the center of how we how we think about things, how we talk about things. You know, being a, a seminary student, our the, I, I see how a lot of American Christian theology is rooted in in whiteness, and it's rooted in um, a perspective that isn't always friendly uh, toward people of color, and sort of um, otherizes people of color, or sort of looks at their views of, of God as somehow being primitive or or suspect or or bearing scrutiny, um, whereas anything that's from a from a white western um, white dude is seen as oh this this has to be this has to be good this has to be right this has to be this has to be holy and so in the group something that I I think a dynamic that we noticed even before we started with a moderating team but especially we were able to talk about it as we built the moderating team was noticing how in certain threads, there would be somebody, a, a Black person might might tell a story or might share a perspective on something. And there would be, white people be the first people to, to jump in and comment. And not that that's necessarily wrong or that's necessarily a bad thing, but in a group that is supposed to be where uh, Black Christians are leading the conversation, where Christians of color are leading the conversation, what we started to find was that the Black people weren't commenting and so you might have somebody start a post mm-hmm. yep. and then uh, you might have a black person start a post and then if a white person well if the first four I, I have a philosophy that, that if the first four comments are are white people the thread will go will go a certain way if mm-hmm. the first four comments are are black people or people of color that that sort of that centers blackness that that centers that that other lens and so people sort of um, think a little bit more, or we've, or we sort of have, have coached people to think a little bit more about their engagement. But before that, we, we didn't, we had this dynamic where people were were enthusiastic about what they had learned in the group. And they were enthusiastic about the things that they, that they um, were doing in their own lives. I don't want to, you know, disparage that at all, but it got to be the point to, we got to the point to where, the voices that were supposed to be leading the conversation were being pushed to the margins. And it's like, this is a group that we're supposed to be centering the people of color and, and, and we're supposed to be centering the black perspective. But then I think that, that there was one point where somebody, um, it, it was D.D. Rowe had gone and looked at the last previous 100 posts, just gone, just scrolled through the feed. And it was something like, I think 55 of them were started by white people. Hmm. and so in a in a space hmm. that was supposed to be for for black people and so this was right this is one of the things that sort of it was right around the the moderating i think we had just started the moderating team or whatever and so for me that was it that was a huge eye opener um because at that point we um didn't have post approval turned on it was just everybody could just sort of post whenever whenever they wanted to post and so we realized because people, white people outnumbered people of, at that point, outnumbered people of color in the group. Well, there was something that we, that we had to, that we had to do about that. We had to get the the black voices to be centered. And we started just really talking, um, encouraging our our white members to take a posture of listening and of letting, and we still have to remind and still have to say, you know, hold on, like, like, let's let on things especially that are pertaining to um, people of color that are especially pertaining to black people or the black experience, let black people comment on it first. Right, right. Let us, let us get in there. And and there can be the, the opposite of that is that you, we don't want to create a, a sense of voyeurism where white people, where there's the white gaze that's there, but is, but is silent and doesn't say anything because that doesn't feel good either. And so we're really trying to kind of tow that balance to where it's not just Okay, like white people are sitting in here and looking at us and taking notes, but they're not interacting with us because that can just feel really really weird. but also realizing that there's just I, I I don't know how to explain it, but i've but I've watched it happen over and over and over again and thread after thread after thread after thread after thread that if you get too many people in there if you get if you get if, if the commenting isn't diverse, if it isn't a diverse uh, group of people commenting. Then people, the people of color, often just just back off, and I think that that's something. Even I think that that's something that just culturally we just sort of learn. Um, I think it's just a, it's a it's a reflex almost. Okay, white people are talking. Okay, so we'll just so we'll just kind of sit here right. in the back. Exactly, and, so, and
1: that's that's the thing that we really wanted to address in the group over time is there is a sense for Black people in America, but especially Black people in Christian circles that when a conversation starts a certain way we tend to observe and say this is either for us or this is a conversation that's not for us this is not for us to participate in you are talking about us you are talking with us in, in, you know in the room but it's not a conversation for us to be a part of and so a big question as christians talk about how do we discuss you know matters that inter- in, interact with ethnicity or involve ethnicity in a racialized context in a racialized world um, that may not necessarily be "quote unquote" race issues, but that involve ethnicity and inter- interact with it. The question is, how do we make this a space for? And I'll use Black Christians in this in this regard. But how do we make this a, a healthy space for Black Christians to lead and participate, and us sit back and observe in the way that they would, and interact only when when interacted with? <laughs> like, is there is there space for us just to sit back and say, okay, well, let's Let's interact in, in in a very cautious way that says, let's preserve the health of this space. And sometimes I think for Christians, it's very difficult for us to to do that, even, even as Black Christians in the Black community, because the Black community doesn't always have the best perception of how the church has impacted and influenced that area. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's for us to go to the community, community meetings and sit back and or even to, to pull someone to the side and ask, "What's the general consensus of me as a pastor being in this space?" Like doing that in certain areas um, of my local community has been deeply challenging and yeah. deeply informative because I sit back and I have to intake what they're saying. I have to listen calmly and and process it and and talk about it and just listen at times rather than trying to to defend myself as you mentioned earlier, trying to, oh well, you know, that's that's not what I meant. And, you know, I know all pastors are not like this and I'm not one of those pastors. And trying to to preemptively defend myself instead of sitting in it and say, you know what, that's part of my tribe. Like my tribe needs to own that. And I need mm-hmm. to own that as a part of my tribe. And so how do we as Christians make sure that we're creating healthy conversation spaces for people who are inside and outside the church so that not only the conversation can be moved forward, but people are healthy in the end. This isn't about getting to some like random goal of rightness, random goal of perfect orthodoxy, but it is about getting to a place of health where we see God clearly and we see each other clearly and with dignity as well. So how would you say we would have to, because you have these conversations all the time, you're on social media, what's important for us to consider as we're having conversations that interact with ethnicity that exists in a racialized context.
0: I have come to be convinced that one of the most important things that has to be done is first of all decentering whiteness and second of all dealing with white fragility. And that's hmm. not to, that sounds Terrible, perhaps, for some people, because that's putting that's maybe quote unquote, like putting the burden on white people. But even in our own spaces, even in spaces that are predominantly black, I think that we still have to deal with this idea of decentering whiteness. And so really looking at how we think about the world and, and questioning, interrogating our worldview and saying, especially as, as Christians, I think, especially those who maybe come from um, some of the evangelical Christian side, um, we have to interrogate our mindsets toward things and interrogate, is this a mindset that was born to protect white supremacy or is this a mindset that that um, that that is a, is a little bit freer, is a little bit that isn't that isn't rooted in that? And I think that it was Jamar that said on the on the podcast about um, Aretha Franklin's funeral about how in the in the black church there is a broader sort of consensus of what we're able, what what, what we want to listen to, and and right. who we want to have. And I and I found that in spaces where you have black Christians that have been sort of um whether it's birth in the in the white church or who have um, spent a lot of time adjacent to the white church um we lose a little bit, bit of that sometimes that can that can be mm-hmm. lost and so it can be so there can be um a, a mindset of so for instance you know, at, at Aretha's funeral you had Minister Farrakhan sitting up right. on the platform and that still um, just trips I,
1: me out that's still I'm that, like that was man, that, that was trippy. Just...
0: That, that was so something, you know, I would not consider, um, Minister Farrakhan to hold Orthodox Christian beliefs, but saying that he could still occupy that space and still be in that space and still be welcome in that space, I think, um, says something where I think that in the evangelical world, especially, um, there is, Almost a tribalism that says that if you don't think like me, if you don't act like me, if you don't talk like me, if you don't believe just the same things that I believe, then we're going to place you on the margins. And so with the black community, if we because we come from different we come from different regions, we come there's 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 a lot of us, but comparatively to the population. There's not a lot of us. And so we come from different regions. We come from different expressions of, of Christianity. We come from different academic backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses. And so if we come in with what I feel like is a, is a majority culture, a dominant culture mindset that says you have to be just like me and you have to conform to my standard. Otherwise I'm going to put you out on the margins. If we come approach each approach one another with that mindset, then we're, then we're marginalizing ourselves. And so I, whenever I say that, that we have to dissenter whiteness, even in our own context, what I'm saying is that, as I think that, and that's not to, you know, to rail white people say, oh, your mindset is, is, is terrible and bad, but that's to say that I think that we have to embrace something that, that our culture does and that we do, we do very well with embracing a broad, a broad spectrum of people, but then still staying true to who we are as, as, as individual, as individuals. And that's something that I think that, um, in the dominant culture, it's very you don't you, you don't have to do that. Um, whenever you're the whenever you're the largest group, whenever you have the most folks, um, it's very easy to be to be tribal because you're because you're not um, excluding a whole bunch of people. But there's so few of us that we that we really we have to we have to band um, together. And so I just I think that that, that is critical that even um, and then in spaces like this that are multi ethnic, it's it's critical that we that we just enter whiteness and it's, and it's critical that we that we um take on fragility and that we and that we deal with that because the conversation can't go forward if you're constantly having people whose feelings are hurt and who are constantly lashing right. out and being and being harmful and and questioning every little thing and, and wanting to do a, a lot of a lot of back and forth and a lot of a, a lot of picking every um, aspect of it of it apart that gets to be that gets to be tiring and the conversation doesn't move forward and so then we take that in talking about the group we realized in the group um, pretty pretty quickly after we got a moderating team and as the group really just started taking off, was that we were having to have those conversations all the time? Somebody would come up and there, something would happen, and and they would get fragile um, about about being corrected. And so then it's like we're taking time in a thread to get this person together or we're taking like, like, you know, Noel, I mean, poor Noel has had to deal with so much stuff in her her,
1: her, her her
0: DMs. (laughs) Shout out to her because she's, because I mean, she's taken lots of time and emotional labor. I've taken time and emotional labor and even taking stuff into, into private messages and trying to, and trying to talk through stuff with people. I mean, I remember there, there was one instance where I probably had a conversation it was probably like a two hour conversation with somebody at like two o'clock in the morning um, because something because something had happened and they and they had been they had been told something that they that they that, they, that the, what they had posted um, had offended some people. And so just trying to unpack that for them. And so that if you're doing just that work in trying to her whiteness, if you're doing just that that level of work. We'll never get to have the deeper conversations, and that's even some of why um, we started Pass the Mic One Hundred One. We we recent that group we had started it. I want to say maybe back in in March or April we had started creating mm-hmm. um, the interface for that group, um, but we didn't we didn't launch it until the end of August. And so some of that function that Pass the Mic One Hundred One um that serves is to be able to have those types of conversations. And even I and I was telling the the Pass the Mike 101 team recently that I think that Pass the Mike 101 may be the only predominantly white space in which whiteness is decentered.
1: Hmm. Because I, I don't think hmm. I, I don't think I've ever it seen it. It is that crazy. That actively, is crazy to watch by the way. Yes
0: yes because we are actively decentering i mean it's still it's still white people it's still it's still that that culture it's still that way of having discourse and there's and please hear me there's nothing there's nothing wrong or inherently flawed about that but it's a different type of discourse than what is happening in the main group and so that's really even more so has freed the the um discourse up in the main group um to be able mm-hmm. to to center um because it's not you're not getting posts where people are like oh hey look at this racist thing that happened all the time and then having to discern okay well should we post this because because of who posted it how how does that come off and there's you know there's so much i could i could talk for hours about all the ways that we all the all the thought that that goes into what we post on past the mic, what posts we approve, um, when we approve those posts, we just, we put a lot of, a lot of careful thought and consideration into what we, what we release into that space because, um, the, you know, the team, we really just, we, we value that space and we value that space for, um, People of color to be able to, for Black people especially, um, but also we we have a we have a lot of other people of color um, who are part of the group, and so we really value that that space and see that space almost. I mean, I hate to use this this verbiage, but, but it's almost as, as as kind of sacred space for mm-hmm. Black people, for people of color to be able to come in and to not have to code switch and to not have mm-hmm. to um, to not have to feel like they have to talk about things. In a certain way, lest they encounter um, a lot of a lot of pushback, and so we really put a lot of thought into what goes out there, into how it goes out there. And, You know, there's some things there's some things that we that we don't approve, maybe because, oh man, that that has a lot of violence in it. You know, it's, it's, it's right. black death and black bodies, right. and you know, we don't really want to see that. That was a huge and,
1: one for us. That was a huge one, just kind of banning banning videos that would. Without, you know, there are certain times we'll let them through, but banning videos that feature Black Death mm-hmm. just as kind of a, a side note, you know, there and there are times where we'll let it through, but kind of really being very careful about when we would post that.
0: Yeah, and usually we let the ones through that have where you can choose to watch it. We try not to post anything where it just where it auto plays because you know we we really just want to create that space for for us to be able to talk about our our things, and of course. It's also a reconciliation space. That's that's one of the one of the main things that the group is there for is for for reconciliation or conciliation, whatever verbiage and stuff that you that you want to use for that. So yeah, we do, we really see pass the mic as being a place that is safe for people of color, for Black people especially, to be able to you to lead the conversation on racial reconciliation or conciliation, healing, justice, whatever the verbiage is that you want to use we want to be a place where black people are able to lead that conversation and where they're able to do so without having to code switch where they're able to do so without having to um, mind and monitor and, and um, uh, curate what they say. So, mm. so as to not offend people. And of course we're, we're a Christian space, but we're not a church. And so we right. want to yeah. have, we, we want to as Christians be you know talk about what is what is good and pleasing, and to and to um, speak in a way our, our, our speeches have to be to be good and pleasing. But at the same time, we're dealing with people who we're hurt, we're tired, and so you know there some people we we don't encourage salty language. But sometimes there's some things that somebody had some salty language for, and it's like bruh, well okay bruh. that's a, that a, and it's like true. like what they're saying is true. There might be a curse word in there. But what they're saying is true, and so we've really just tried to allow that that space for folks to just be able to feel like, to be able to feel like they, they can that they can let their hair down and that they can yeah. be and that they can be themselves and that they don't have to sit and that, the, and that there's not anybody that they that they have to please. And so then bringing our white brothers and sisters into this conversation, as where they're able to come in and and take the posture of listener and learner and where they're able to dialogue, but it's not just a a dialogue that they're, that they're leading or that they're expressing, but it's a dialogue that they are, that they are listening to and, and learning from.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, this whole idea of how we have conversations about these difficult topics, whether it's matters of race, but also matters of theology, of culture, of politics, whatever it may be, I think it all relates back to this concept of grace. And this is what our faith is built upon as believers. And so when we talk about grace, we don't just mean in the salvific sense, but we also mean that there's grace for us to take a step back and say that we're wrong. I mean, we don't get everything right in the PTM group. We don't get everything right at the witness. Uh, There's grace for us to make an adjustment. Um, there, I think there was tons of grace for us to make an adjustment away from Rand to PTM uh, or from Rand to the witness. Um, and I think there's a ton of grace for us, even as we have conversations that we can adjust and that, that gives us the freedom to say we don't always get it right. And so if we don't get it right, we need to come back and make it right. Um, if we speak harshly in a way that was out of anger, um, in a way that was out of of, of unrighteous anger of anger of mm-hmm. indignation of personal vendetta or bitterness that we can repent from that and we've we've had times where we've handled that well in the ptm group and there are times we haven't handled that well in the ptm group mm-hmm. I mean I don't want to make it seem like it's a utopia but I think that messiness is in incumbent upon what is going to happen when you try to decenter whiteness when you decenter whiteness it's going to get messy and we try to center people of color, particularly black people in America, especially in an American Christian context, it's going to be messy. And so I think for some people, they stop having these conversations because they get too messy. That means you need to have more of these conversations. Because what is happening is it, it's unearthing something that's a stronghold in our culture. It's unearthing yes. something that's a stronghold in our churches. And it's a stronghold mm-hmm. in our communities. And if we don't address it, if we, the bearers of light, don't come in and shine light then darkness will reign. And so it's important for us to say there's grace. And I hope that's an encouragement to anyone, whether you're white listening in on this conversation, I hope there's an encouragement for you to recognize there's grace even for missteps and misspeaking in these conversations. But then there's also grace for you to take a step back and repent and to say, Mm -hmm. I have been fragile. Um, There's grace for you to take a step back and, and get on your knees and say, I have been vindictive. I have been bitter. I've misused this, you know, my power, my cultural cachet or my cultural position and my status as a white person in America to harm other people of color. And doing that is not a sign of weakness. It's not even a sign of political correctness. It's a sign that you've been transformed by the spirit of God. That you're able yes. to take a step back and and say there's grace for me, and so I can repent freely. And uh, I hope that just encourages people today, because I think it's important for us as we have these conversations to make sure that the conversations are being had in a way that is pointing us to the right things. And we think that involves decentering whiteness. Um, there's so much more to unpack and explain about that, but I appreciate what Allie and Noel and the entire moderating team and admin team at PTM and PTM 101. I appreciate what they do so much because they're showing us and and that it's a Black woman as well and that it's women involved, leading. That's a whole nother thing. Like, are we willing to to listen as men to a conversation that's, that's led by our sisters? Are we willing to listen as men to conversations where we aren't the dominating force, where we aren't the final word of what's said? That's really important for us. And so I hope it encourages people who are in the PTM group Hope the people who have left the PTM group, there's grace for you too. Uh, There's hopefully give us grace as we're still trying to figure it out. Um, And and I just appreciate you, Allie, for leading these conversations online. It's difficult to do this work when people are watching, and to keep your cool, and to keep your witness (pun intended), um, and to keep your faith. (laughs) Uh, It's difficult when they're doing a racism. It's difficult, but it's important for us as believers to learn how to respond rightly to that. So I just I honor you and I appreciate all your work.
0: So wait, I, I need to say something about about missteps here. Yes, yes, um, please. So um one of our one of our admin team, um, I will not name any names, but their name rhymes with Sally Penny. Um,
1: <laughs> she I was like, yo, is she about to call me out on live like live on the podcast? <laughs> I was like, what is about to happen?
0: No, 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 no. Sally Penny, um, a few weeks ago. It was me, y'all. It wasn't. It wasn't Sally Penny. It was me. A couple of weeks ago, or actually, because it's been more than a month ago, at the end of August, I thought that I had found a system to call inactive people from the group, and I messed up. I did not call inactive people from the group. I removed a whole bunch <laughs> of people who were actually, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, like something like seven hundred people. From I was using admin uh, tools, I got I carried away. It, it, I, bla- I blacked out. I don't know, I don't know what else to say, but I am so sorry. So if you are listening to the podcast and you used to be in the past of the mic group, and you all of a sudden realize that you're not in the past the mic group, you didn't do anything wrong, we didn't just like arbitrarily kick you out um and it, it also kind of happened it happened right at the, at the same time that we were um, launching past like 101 so there's some optics there that sort of look like oh yeah we're kicking people out the group no we're really not kicking any, anybody out the group it just I thought that I was I thought that I was helping and I actually did more harm so I have to repent of that misstep please join the group and whenever you join the group whether you're joining back in or if you're joining for the first time Please answer the questions, uh, because that's what help. That if you answer the questions, you get in the group quicker. If you don't answer the questions, then it takes way longer because we have to Facebook stalk you and have to do all sorts of stuff to make to make sure that you're not a white supremacist trying to
1: get in the group. So
0: that's and trust which me, which has happened,
1: which has happened, has, before has before. happened, which has happened. <laughs> so
0: and we, and we and we have all sorts of people trying to get into the group. So that's so you're probably not going to get in the group if you don't answer the questions. So please answer the questions. But I just I had to admit to that. Ms step and get that on the mic get that out there because i don't want because people have been re-adding themselves to the group like um i don't know what happened and i, and I felt and i felt ter- terrible so anyway
1: no that's awesome now, we really appreciate that and we appreciate that grace that you give yourselves and the grace you give us as me and jamar as men in the ptm admin team as well so y'all go join ptm facebook group and next time we'll have Jamar, he'll be on. We'll 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 make Jamar talk about his own missteps next next time. You know, Jamar needs to talk about this too. <laughs>